Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with jazz drum legend Peter Erskine. He took some time to speak to us about a wide range of projects he is involved with these days. From new albums to apps to books and teaching, Peter is always a force in music. On April 6, 2018, he is set to release On Call, his third album with the Dr. Um Band, a double CD package with six studio and five live tracks, featuring keyboardist and arranger John Beasley, saxophonist Bob Shepard, bass phenomenon Benjamin Shepard. Along with the new album, he talked about the health of jazz these days and so much more. So please dig this interview, my friends. Peter, it's great to speak with you again. Thank you for taking a minute out. I appreciate it. My pleasure, Joe. So let's go ahead and dive in here. I know we're going to talk about the elephant in the room, we're going to talk about uh, On Call with the Dr. On Band, but I just want to get a general sense from you of activity. What's been going on for you lately? I keep busy during the year teaching at the Thornton School of Music at the University of Southern California. I'll usually uh, you know, get out of town or, or do work over the weekends. Occasionally that spills over into the teaching week and uh, sometimes I have uh, one of Kansas City's own, uh, the great drummer Jake Reed, who studied with me a few years ago, and, and I'll bring Jake in to, to do some teaching for me when I'm out of town. Out of town might be working over in Europe, maybe with the, the big band at the radio station in Cologne, Germany. Just did a project there with Vince Mendoza and Alan Pasqua, and your listeners might want to Google that. It's, uh, it's uh, The concerts have been posted online and that kind of stuff's always fun uh, but the, the past year I was keeping real busy with Seth MacFarlane who in addition to being such an entertaining voice actor and, and actor and creator of TV shows he's a wonderful singer it's a great chance to to get to play all these incredible Nelson Riddle and Billy May arrangements from the Frank Sinatra book gosh let's see those were two big band oriented things I just mentioned. I guess the thing that has me most excited is that I get to travel and play with my own band. Uh, it's known as the Dr. Um Band. That's D-R point U-M. Get it? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Who wouldn't be excited getting to, to work with John Beasley on keyboards and Bob Shepard on saxophone and, and an incredible new bassist named Benjamin Shepard. Uh, no relationship to Bob. Uh, ben is from New Zealand, and John Beasley recommended him, and, and boy, it's just been a thrill to get to play with them. And so, let's see. In addition to whatever freelancing and kind of recording or film work I do in town, my wife and I, you know, we have this record label, Fuzzy Music, something we started about 25 years ago, and and this new album is our 25th release. And it's a double album. Is it okay if I jump in to start talking about it? Oh, man, absolutely. Please. Cool. The album is, is a double album. It's called On Call, uh, keeping with the uh, Doctor theme. The second album, so the first album was, was Doctor Rum. The second album was Second Opinion, and now On Call. The double album uh, consists of one disc being a studio recording and the second one being a live album. It's reminiscent a bit of a couple of weather report albums I did in great part because those were combinations of studio and, and live performances. Even the artwork, I think I, I let the, the spirit uh, take me to, to a place that kind of recalls a little bit of heavy weather or, or, or night passage to weather report albums of, of, of some note. And, and the band has just reached a level of, how should I put it, 
musical understanding. So we, without even trying to sound like Weather Report, we can kind of sound more like that band than anything else I've heard. And it just has to do with the approach to the music. And and so it's it's neat to come back to that. I, I, at a certain point, I'd sort of uh, rejected or turned my back on, on that kind of playing, and I was trying to play softer and music with less and less notes. And then the last few years, I've really gotten into just like having more fun swinging. And now swinging meets kind of the fusion stuff. And 30, 40 years on from, from the Weather Report experience, it, it all makes a lot more sense to me now. So in, in a rather large nutshell, that's what I've been up to. I like it. And the one thing to me is, was there a certain amount of closure that you were doing with this project, bringing up Weather Report, or was this a continuation of that artistic endeavor? Good question, Joe. It was representing closure for me, like because I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to. Don't call me for any more tributes to to Weather Report. I don't want to do another tribute concert for Jocko. It was it was, it was getting depressing. Uh, I don't know why, but uh, you know, as, as 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 much as I honor the legacy of of everyone in that band who, who I was lucky enough to meet and get to know and play with. Uh, but then it kind of went beyond that closure thing, and I was like, this is actually, like, fun. You know, I'm enjoying this palette. I love this sound. And the, the process, like, when we were on tour last summer, this, just kind of finding that we pretty much got it, but we didn't quite get it. And so teaching the band, and everyone was really, like, cool about that. You know, so I, I think what it is, Joe, is that you, you, sometimes you have a much better chance of, of being able to, you know, capture the essence of something if you don't try too hard. And and whenever I've heard tributes or, or imitations, they sound like imitations, kind of. And imitations often just capture the more surface aspects of something because all the other players in the band are, are so mature and, 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 and so developed as musicians, we're ready to to revisit some of this stuff that these geniuses had figured out, you know, 40, 50 years ago. Can you believe it's so, been that long? It's crazy, isn't it? Time flies. <laughs> it does. And, and we are having fun. <laughs> that's the key. And you've mentioned that a few times. I think that's the key. And And speaking of fun, when I look onto your career – how many things you've done? You've traversed, like you said, with the big band style with, with Seth, and you have this fusion project and straight-ahead jazz and all of these things. Do you think that's the key to your longevity, that you can kind of traverse between these different styles and keep things fresh and, as you say, fun? You know, being versatile is, is not a bad uh, trait or or ability, I guess, and. and in the music business, it reflects so a genuine either interest in the craft or a genuine like of, of those different musical settings. And I've always felt that, that each thing I did helped inform the next thing I would do. Uh, I wasn't quite as Catholic in my tastes as some of my colleagues have been, and, and that has its advantages or disadvantages too. But we make our choices, and that's how we go through life. And I like different things and and I like wearing different hats and it's something I think you need to do and I've enjoyed doing being able to uh, get involved uh, you know in the music industry the companies that manufacture design and manufacture instruments getting more intimately involved with some of that stuff and writing educational stuff or even um, anecdotal uh, books like no Beethoven which chronicle my time in weather report among other things having the record label 
developing play-along apps for um, for Apple devices. Um, you know, we've got a lot of different things cooking, and it it, uh, it can be overwhelming at times. Everything you do, those ripples that go out, then all of a sudden ripples start coming back in the form of emails, or, uh, mostly emails. Um, so I'm, I'm, you know, I'm spending a lot of time trying to keep on top of things, but we, we've got a good little team here in our office, and uh, it's all fun stuff. It all feels good. It, it It's the kind of stuff you feel like, hey, I think this makes a positive impact. You know, we're, we're, we're doing no harm. I'll put it that way. Absolutely. You know, and as you kind of muse a little bit about the passage of time, it's like, man, it's been 40 years. And I think about all of the time that you've been in music from the beginning up till now, and I want to know this. How healthy is jazz? Do you think it's healthy these days? All I can tell you is that from the playing level of the students who have come in year after year to my teaching studio, these young men and women are playing better than ever. We're doing something right. There's a little bit of a fashion to... uh, to beating ourselves up or bemoaning the, the state of, of jazz. Uh, I, I hear great players. There's still a tremendous enthusiasm for improvised music. I can't state what's jazz, what isn't, what's a better form of jazz. I, the only thing I regret is that young jazz musicians today won't have that chance to sit in front of Art Blakey's drum set while he's playing it and yeah. to feel what that felt like. Um, but otherwise, you know, with, with the way the technology's changed, if they can't hear it live, they sure are getting to hear and watch stuff on demand that, that we, we couldn't even dream of doing. So, you know, I think the music's in, in good hands. Recording business has changed. All, all manner of, of, of things have changed. It's, it's more difficult to tour and play, yet I'm still... Somehow I'm keeping busy, uh, and and a lot of my colleagues are too. That was a long answer, but all my answers are kind of long-winded. Apologies. I like I, it. I, it's I, great. <laughs> that's kind of you. <laughs> you know, I think jazz is is in, is, is in good shape. The, the only puzzling thing, when uh, you know, more and more when I look at jazz festivals, you, you seem to see fewer and fewer names that you would associate with jazz, and that's because you know, in order to stay in business, we're trying to get people's, uh, as they say, butts in the seats. But I guess you could say, but uh, the other spelling is is all that jazz, and I don't think so. So you know, I don't know. I, uh, if you're a jazz fan, you you do yourself a favor by supporting the artists you you like to listen to. I'm a fan of certain things, and and therefore I, you know, I pay for those things because I just understand that's how the economy works for stuff. And then we'll just see how we can come out on the other side of of this. I guess we could call it a digital transformation. It's different. I mean, it's scary. You know, I'm putting out this new album on call, this double album, and yet the business model calls for me to make it available on streaming services. Yeah. Uh, so people pay whatever subscription fee to a company, and then they may check it out and, oh, yeah, I heard it, and, and they won't buy the, the CD. You know, I don't know how how much longer we can we can keep putting CDs out, and yet to go into a recording studio, it's, it involves expense. I mean, to, to make an album, to make a good album, it's a, it's a commitment. It takes a financial commitment, and I I've, I've never minded that because what that represents to me is an opportunity to get my music out. You know, I don't put out records because I just feel like I have to do it every year. I do it because here's music I'd like other people to hear. 
And that's priceless. So that's a little bit like that MasterCard commercial. You know, I mean, that, that to me is priceless. If, if I had to sit on music, uh, you know, waiting for, for someone in a suit to say, okay, we'll put this out, that would make me nuts. So I, I'm, I, I'm delighted that, you know, my wife and I jumped to, to make this platform for ourselves. And well, I'm trying to do one thing on my website is, is just making some, some recording, uh, like recordings I have, archival stuff, uh, or maybe some new things available as a download only, a digital download only. And I just have, uh, I have to figure out a way for more people to beat that path to the digital door, uh, at least in my own website. But for now, yeah, CD, and, 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 and this is the first title that we're uh, making available in, uh, in vinyl as well. So it's one of those double, you know, vinyl LPs, each one weighing 180 grams. And so if you're a, if you're a vinyl fan, uh, you'll enjoy this. And even though it's a lot of music, because it's a double album, we didn't, we didn't jam each disc chock full. It's funny, you know, when you go back to, to, to vinyl, Records were pretty short back in the day, and they were a lot easier to digest, I think, and appreciate. So um, that's something we learned. I, I remember at one point we were just we were just filled the CD up with as much music as we could, and it's just too much for anyone to listen to. I think absolutely. <laughs> so you know, the one thing over your career is that I'm sure you've had to reinvent yourself. So I want to ask you this: Was there has there ever been times in your career where you've walked up to the kid and you just the ideas aren't coming, and you have to approach it in a different way. How would you do that? No, no. I, I'm, I always just try to pay attention to to the music, and the craft of it uh, will always tell me what to play. The, the 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 drums will always tell me what to do, or the the music around me. If, if you're not paying attention, or if you're second guessing, like trying, then you you may not have any idea what to do. I'm, I'm not saying that like. Uh, like I always had the answers, but uh, I've learned to pay attention to music, and and the music will always inform you what to do. It almost never has. The only time I've 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 been stumped is if an artist, if I'm called in to do something, if they have no idea, and they've crafted the thing in such a way that it represents a complete lack of a point of view, then it's like a, an actor reading a script, and and the words are just been kind of very carelessly tossed together, and you say, what does this mean? What's the context of this? So if something's put together well, I've learned that over the years is just pay attention to it. Give yourself permission and give the music permission all to be what it's supposed to be and don't second-guess that. And even if I'm working for someone else, I, I, you know, I, I try to make it sound like I would want to hear it. And that's what I tell my students. You know, just play what you'd like to hear. Don't play what you think I'd like to hear or what that other person might like to hear because you can't know that. And that keeps things pretty simple. I like it. Peter, I think that's a great way to wrap everything up. Thank you for opening up. Thank you for the new music. It's wonderful, and good luck. Well, thanks so much, Joe. I appreciate your spreading the word. On call. All right. Thank you. Thanks for listening and tuning in to yet another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players in Los Angeles, Kansas City, and spots all over the world, giving fans all that jazz. And thanks to Peter for his music, his time, and his stories. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino on the iTunes Store. Visit Neon Jazz at YouTube.com. And for everything Neon Jazz, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Oh,
Neon Jazz.